Hello, and welcome back to Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. As you may know, in 2021, I started my personal journey in listening education, which introduced me to the Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening. It was and continues to be one of those podcasts that changed my heart and curiosity, all because of the host, Oscar Trimboli. Today, we get to learn from Oscar himself as to how listening, deep listening, can transform companies. As Oscar shares, great listeners change the way people speak. And when people are given permission to explore their speaking with a curious listener, ideas, concepts, gaps, and clarity all shine through. It's an episode where I learn from a master listener and interviewer himself. So much juiciness is ahead on this episode of Businesses Are People Too. What if businesses practiced deep listening? Hello there, I'm Lindsay Harrell, and this is Businesses Are People Too, a podcast where business becomes human. A brand consultant, values vixen, and neuroplasticity geek. One day it hit me. Businesses are exactly like people with the exact same needs. And just as humans are all made of the exact same components, you know, a brain, heart, lungs, skin, nostril hairs. So too are businesses with operations, marketing, sales, purpose, people? With this, I asked, what if businesses realized that they are people too? A question that deserved more exploration, I set out to have conversations on how to bring the person back into business. Oh, the possibilities and exciting realities I heard from business leaders health experts, and other provocative, game-changing thinkers and doers. So, are you ready to discover what could happen when we treat the humans in business as, well, humans? Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Businesses Are People Too, a podcast podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Harrell, and with me today, I cannot even express my excitement. With me today is Oscar Trimboli. Now, who is Oscar Trimboli? Oh, let me tell you. Oscar Trimboli is on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. He is an author, host of the Apple Award-winning podcast, Deep Listening, and a sought-after keynote speaker. He is passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change in workplaces. Oscar has experienced firsthand the transformational impact leaders and organizations can have when they listen beyond words. He consults with multinational organizations, including American Express, AstraZeneca, Cisco, Google, HSBC, L'Oreal, PwC, and Stryker, helping chairs, boards, and executives and their teams listen to what's unsaid by the customer 
and employees. And of course, just a few fun facts about Oscar are that he lives in Sydney, Australia with his wife, Jenny. He also helps first-time runners and ocean swimmers conquer fear, and he contributes to the cure for cancer as part of Cantu, a cancer research charity. Oscar, welcome to Businesses or People 2, a podcast. Thanks, Lindsay. Looking forward to listening to your questions today. Yay. Oscar, I do have a little story to share with you before we get into the questions. And I think it's uh, an interesting story, in my opinion. I think it's an interesting story in that it, it, it demonstrates the power of big, hairy, audacious goals. And about seven months ago, I was in a, a networking group and they asked the question, if you could collaborate with any individual on this earth, who would it be? And the only caveat was that the individual had to be alive. And I sat there and I thought, and the question came to me. And at that point, I thought, Oscar Tromboli, right away. And so when they said that to me, I was like, well, this is completely out of the realm of possibility, but this is who I would love to because everything that you've taught and that I've learned from you thus far has changed my entire world and relationship with listening. And so I said, I would love to collaborate with Oscar Tromboli and do a podcast with him. And somehow the universe listened. And seven months later, here we are doing an interview together on the Businesses or People 2 podcast. And I just am completely in shock and in awe and am overwhelmed with gratitude that you are here today. So thank you so much. Um, I'm really, really, really curious. You said you changed your mind about listening over these seven months. What, what's different? Well, you're flipping the interview on me already. Shoot. I knew you would do that. Uh, you know, it's, it's really. When, when we grow up, we're at school and we're taught to solve problems. So we're listening to solve a problem. Therefore, we jump in with an answer of a solution. Hmm. in going through the items that you have so for instance and we'll get to all of this uh listeners don't worry but in going through for instance the 90-day challenge in reading uh deep listening and listening to multiple ep- well, all of your episodes um on the deep listening podcast and even digging in and doing my own villain uh test my listening villain test it demonstrated that, you know what, you don't always have to have an answer. Here's what listening is. And here's how you can practice listening. And it's not about showing up with a solution or an answer. It's about holding space. And one of the most impactful things was the math of listening that you shared. And so, you know, we'll, we'll get to the questions, but can you maybe explain that math about listening? Because that is the most fascinating piece where it makes what is typically considered a soft skill of listening and turns it into a mathematical formula, which astounds me every time and almost has given me more compassion to both myself when I don't say the thing that I wanted to say and to the listener so that I get more curious, pardon me, to the speaker. So I get more curious about why they said what they said and what they said, as opposed to how can I solve what they're saying. Mm-hmm. 
And I, here, here's a question I want you to hold, and I'm going to come back to it after we do the maths. Now that you're listening a little bit differently, was there a conversation where it made a big impact for you? So we're going to come back to that question. In the last seven months, has there been a conversation where listening's made a big impact for you and, and, and for them as mm -hmm. well? Might have been a group, might have been an individual. The maths is... Uh, what you've asked about and there's two kinds of equations we need to think about when it comes to listening the first is the maths as it relates to you as a listener mm -hmm. and then we're going to talk about the maths as it relates to the speaker because listening is a simultaneous equation two people are engaging at the exact same time and they are listening and speaking simultaneously so we need to hold an understanding of what happens when people are listening. So while you're listening right now, you might be leading a small team of people and you're a little bit bored because I'm speaking way too slow. So you can listen at 400 words per minute. Yet I can speak at 125 to 150 words per minute. So there is a four to one ratio, roughly, in terms of the difference between my speaking speed and your listening speed. Now, for some of you, you may have mastered the technology, congratulations, and turned your podcast up to two times speed. You can still hear me with complete comprehension at two times speed. What happens to your mind while you're trying to fill in those other 300 words while you're listening to somebody speak well for some of you you might be exercising right now you might be cooking you might be gardening you might be commuting you will be doing other things and the most important part of this rule the 125 400 rule the difference between my speaking speed and your listening speed is to know that you will be distracted mm -hmm. when you listen it is the most human thing to do now knowing this rule what most people say to me oscar just because i know this rule i can reset from distraction really quickly so right now you might be thinking about the weather you might be thinking about what you want to do on the weekend just invite you to notice that pause and come into the conversation again and use it as a way to practice this skill now, as important it is to understand as a listener, you can listen four times faster. As a speaker, I want to introduce you to the opposite rule. This is the 125-900 rule. This is the differential between the speaker's speaking speed and the speed at which they think. They think at nine times faster on average than what they can speak. There's nine times more things in their mind than they can articulate. Now, the range is between 600 words per minute and 1,600 words per minute. So if you operate in a collaborative, competitive, resource-constrained environment, it's more likely that you're getting closer to 1,200 to 1,400 words per minute. So most workplaces, the first thing that somebody says is between 11 and 14% chance that what they say the very first time is what they mean what's important to them, what they want to say. And as a listener, knowing this rule, it's really important to understand that the first thing that somebody says 
probably not what they mean, despite the fact they may look and sound completely articulate. So one of the things you want to do as a listener is notice is what they say, what they mean. So this is the 125-400 rule, the difference between your listening speed, my speaking speed, and the 125-900 rule. That's the difference between my speaking speed and the speed at which I think. Little wonder with these massive differentials that listening is an extraordinarily difficult thing to understand. It's actually a really simple thing to do if you practice and know how, but Lindsay, most of us haven't been taught how to listen. And the difference between hearing and listening, Mm -hmm. it's the action you take. So one of the questions I asked you is, was there a conversation where you noticed your listening differently made a massive difference? Yes. Um, When I started to understand that there's this difference between the 125 and the 900 and the, the 400 as a listener. It was taking a moment to not fill the pause. And this, as you know, in Western societies, we're very uncomfortable with pause and silence. And I definitely was, am learning to get more comfortable with the pause and I know with for instance my my husband I used to go into conversations ready to fix mode and so I had ask question ask question ask question which would raise his agitation one day most likely uh, it was probably pretty quick after I was introduced to your <laughs> podcast I, re- I, I simply saw he kept getting more agitated. And I said, oh, babe, his name's not babe, but you know. Um, when I'm asking questions in this state, is that helpful or not? He's like, it's not. Good questions. Note them for later, but I don't need them right now. I just need to vent. I just need to get this all. I just need to speak. I was like, okay. And so then he would speak and then there would be a pause. Whereas I used to rush into it to fill it, to give him a solution of this is what you need to do. He needed to figure it out on his own. And so it's really those, and I've seen him start to take those strides simply because of holding that space, listening, and not having to rush in to say, this is what you need to do. And it's a, it's a wonderful lesson you've taught. If you're leading a team and you're listening to this, Lindsay asked a how question. It was around the process of communication. How is this question helpful to you is a really good example. And as leaders, one of the things I notice, and Lindsay, I have this incredible privilege of coming into team meetings and literally listening to them. Mm-hmm. And one thing I notice that changes the orientation of the group really quickly is when leaders start to ask questions about how they're communicating rather than being obsessed and fixated on what they're communicating about. 
So a really simple question at the beginning of any conversation should be, how can I make this the most productive meeting? What would make this a great meeting for you? And you're probably nodding furiously right now because it was the question I asked you at the beginning of our conversation. Mm -hmm. And And that simple process question could be as simple as, how would you like me to listen in this Mm -hmm. conversation? Now, a lot of leaders who implement this and take this to another level, one of my frustrations is feedback. My team doesn't give me feedback. I want to give my team member feedback. Um, Feedback, not as useful as feed forward. Feed forward tells you how you can adjust in the future. Feedback, it's like watching a replay of something you can't change. Mm -hmm. It's handy, but it doesn't help us going forward. So the other process question I think leaders, leading teams should listen a little bit more. When your meeting's about halfway, Given our time remaining, where should we focus? Mm -hmm. Because you may have just had a conversation that completely blew up the agenda that you had originally. And a lot of leaders will rigidly stick to the agenda and get the outcome that they wanted at the beginning. But listening to a group of people around the halfway point, given the time remaining, how should we adjust the agenda? What were the outcomes we'd like to focus on? And then finally at the 80% mark in a meeting. So in a 30-minute meeting, that might be at the 25-minute mark. At a one-hour meeting, that might be at the 50-minute mark. Ask this question. If the boss's boss was in the room, if the shareholder was in the room, if the voters were in the room, if a future, if a member of a future generation was in the room, what's the question we haven't asked ourselves? So it might sound like if our most difficult customer was in the room right now, what question would they say we haven't asked ourselves? If a strategic supplier was in the room right now, what's the question we haven't asked ourselves? And if another division, another department. If finance was in the room right now, what's the question we haven't asked ourselves? These very powerful process-orientated questions, quick commercial break again from the maths of listening, questions of more than eight words are linguistically biased, so try and keep your questions as short as possible. Seven words or less allows for comprehension and application. So it's why the shorter questions are often the ones that are most transformational. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're leading teams. But exploring what isn't said is a wonderful way of gathering feedback along the way. If at that point, Lindsay, by the way, they say, yeah, yeah we've considered all the other perspectives, it's a great question to ask your feed forward question. Mm -hmm. so a lot of managers who say oh i struggle to get feedback 
they go, they get an answer every time to this question. If we did this meeting again, how would we organize it differently? And all of a sudden people go, hey, we spent too much time over here or, you know, we spent way too much time in, in, a, in a little rabbit hole in, in a level of detail. Now, if you don't ask that question, you'll never find out. But don't ask for feedback. If you ask for feed forward, you can actually make adjustments in the meeting and going forward. Mm. So that's uh, why it's important that you role modeled in your example with your husband when you communicate about how you communicate. When you discuss explicitly how do you want me to listen, the conversations take a very different shape and they make it more human for you as the listener but more importantly, they make it really transformational for the person speaking. Mm -hmm. Now, notice you were scribbling furious notes down as you were going along, Lindsay. What, what captured your attention there? It's really the, well, the feed forward, I think, is a very interesting um, concept as it helps to bring very present focused individuals and personalities and bring the future in, which can be very difficult just based on personality styles because not everybody mm. thinks future. So I think that is one that is brilliant. And rather than asking for feedback, which is important, but you need it to inform forward. And so I think by framing it that way is it's not when it comes to a team being able to talk about, well, here's forward, it almost creates a safer space for people to share openly and honestly, rather than, well, you weren't such a great leader here, but, oh, well, here's what we would love to be able to do and how you, the leader, can then support. It frames it differently and it makes it more, um, not hierarchical in leader and team, but we are together side by side going forward and this is the leader, we understand our roles differently. It makes it makes a leader more human mm -hmm. in that discussion. If business is all about the people in them, what it signals in that moment is, as a leader, I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. As a leader, I'm willing to ask questions that will improve not just me, but us and the mm -hmm. system. And what you'll find is if you role model that, your team will start to do that with you. That, that will in your one-on-one -on -one conversations with them, they might ask you that question, mm -hmm. you know, how, how would I make this meeting more productive the next time we get together? And this is why it's so crucial that as leaders, yes, you can learn the techniques, you can learn the phrases, uh, that's mechanical and robotic. But if you want to be a human leader to bringing more people's potential out in the workplace, just dial up how you think about how questions more consistently. And I think if you just use the, the dial in a meeting, at the beginning of the meeting, what will make this a great conversation for you? So if that's a pretty simple question to ask as a one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. In a group setting, whether that's on a video conference or face-to-face, -face, if you ask that question, you'll get a temperature check of where the room's at pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And you may, you may decide real-time with the group that the agenda we decided on 
maybe we need to adjust it now. So at the beginning of the meeting, what will make it a great meeting? Midway, given our time remaining, how should we focus our time? And then towards the end, whose opinion outside of this room haven't we considered? Mm-hmm. And, and those three questions will often um, really change the gravity and the way people speak. What most people don't understand is the power of listening is it allows speakers to speak up and tell their truth, not the superficial stuff. Great listeners change the way people speak. And leaders who listen not only attract and retain staff so much easier than everybody else, but they also deal with the really significant systematic issues, not the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Great leaders who listen will be told the issues that are consequential and managers will listen and accept symptomatic issues, which are really just superficial things that uh, are quite transactional. When it comes then, how do we make a whole team engaged in listening and have that buy-in on let me back up. So for instance, if we're in a team meeting and say there's one person who's dominating the conversation, how do we get everyone to number one, give attention? Say it's, you know, Joe's always talking, so we'd need to just check out, but Joe may have some good points. So how do we make sure that everyone's engaged there to understand the purpose of the conversation, the meeting even, and then how do we make it so that it's an impactful conversation as to a conversation where the team's just letting everything out? Unsurprisingly, we're back to how again. <laughs> how, do you, how do you set up a process? So uh, a couple of points. Never underestimate the role you play as a leader in setting the listening temperature of the group. They will listen, they will never listen more or better than you do. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you're you're the benchmark. Mm -hmm. If you listen well, they'll aspire to listen well because they will notice that as a good listener in the group, you make a point of making sure that the unheard voices are heard from. You will notice that they go a little bit deeper and say, say more about that. Tell me more about that. What else about that? And they're getting down to another level. Now, now too often what people do is, is they throw rice in the air or confetti like a wedding. Okay, um, so my question is, how do we reduce our costs while maintaining quality? Who wants to chat about that? As opposed to, we've got a really big challenge. We have to bring our costs back and maintain our quality. This is not a simple thing. This is something I'd like you each to think deeply about. So for the next five minutes, just listen to yourself. Think about this and take a note. I'd love to get five points from each of you about how we do that. So for the next five minutes, just be by yourself 
And then what I'll do, I'll put you in pairs and you can discuss where you've got overlaps and common issues as a group. And then we'll, we'll discuss that as a group. Now, this is a really powerful way to do this because you're leveraging time. So you start off at the beginning where everybody thinks, oh, my God, how am I going to get five things here? Because I can't think of one. This is a really difficult thing. But because I've been explicit and said five, I know they're not going to think about one. Mm-hmm. One is the obvious. It's the symptomatic thing. It's the superficial thing. Number two, I'm creating a safe environment for them to listen to themselves. And number three, I've signaled that we're going to be pairing off with others. So there's a little bit of tension and something at risk for me as I I go into my pairs. Now, in, in my pairs, I'm going to practice both speaking and listening because we're going to share our things. And then we'll we'll ask the room to report back. Now, one of the reasons Joe talks a lot is rarely is Joe heard. Okay, so when you say people talk a lot, that's because they don't feel they're heard, particularly if they get into repetitive patterns. Uh, Look, I've always brought up the fact that we're not following our standard operating procedures when it comes to our quality requirements. And I noticed that everybody in the group hasn't signed off on their standard operating procedure thing. And last month I talked about the standard operating procedure thing. Joe hasn't been heard. Mm -hmm. But as a leader, you haven't created an environment for Joe to be heard with one other person in a group and all of that. So be careful when you think about the person who always speaks up there may be a very good reason why they speak up because they feel like they haven't been heard. So as a leader, one of the things we role modeled in that really simple example is your individual opinion matters. It matters for you to share that and listen to others. And when we're sharing in the pairs, Lindsay, we want to understand similarities and differences. Mm-hmm. What are the what are the themes we can do that? And then when we talk as a group, we go, ah, okay. So all of a sudden we have a range of opinions heard. Now, Joe in his paired out group will have five things. Joe really speaks about one thing most of the time. So just that process again of forcing Joe to start to think about one more thing beside the standard operating procedure. Um, is is really critical so it's a skill that a leader has to build a muscle on and people say to me Oscar this takes too long Uh, I was like okay we'll just keep listening to Joe drone on and the whole group disengage when people are writing down by themselves they're completely immersed in the activity they care Mm -hmm. they're engaged when they're in pairs they care they're engaged, they're listening. And when it's at the group level, they, they're desperate to hear, what's mine similar to everybody else? I'm curious about everybody else's difference. So sometimes we fall into these default patterns where we don't signal to the group and hold the process or the process 
and we don't signal the process and we don't make it explicit to the room as opposed to, so what do you think about uh, reducing costs and quality? And we're going to have a very predictable pattern of who's going to speak up and how they're going to speak up. As a leader, it's not your role to constrain the content. It's your role to liberate what's possible through the process. As a leader, your job is to hold a great process. If you're in the content, you're a manager. You're pretty transactional. If you're a leader, you're liberating yourself and you can do that in any environment. So hold the process, become an expert at how your group dialogues rather than what they discuss. Because when they discuss what they want to discuss, you will be completely shocked. The ideas they will come up are always brilliant because businesses are people with brilliant ideas. Mm. There was so much juiciness in that. I'm wondering because so often someone is promoted into a leadership role because they were so good as an expert Hmm. in their role. How can they perhaps step out of that expert identity that they've had for so long, which has gotten them to this leadership role? How can they then step into that leadership role of understanding Here's this skill set of listening, which may not have been required as an expert, but it is here. And so how can they start to become this listener to help facilitate the ideas and the dialogue between their team members while taking off their expert cap? I think you've highlighted the role that identity plays in how people show up at work. Mm-hmm. When you move from expert to manager leader, Mm -hmm. whether you realize this or not, you have changed professions. Mm. Tell me more. A policeman that decides to become a firefighter or a nurse that decides to become a doctor are deliberately choosing to change professions. Some of their expertise is reusable in the new domain, but most of it is learnt. Do you have the professionalism at that point where you're promoted to invest 15% of your time in your professional development to say, I'm choosing to change professions therefore i need to make an audit of the skills that i require in my new profession measure the gaps and work on improving them now everything i say after this lindsay won't matter unless you have chosen to change professions And it is not enough to take your expert hat off. You literally have to take your expert hat off, put it in a fire and burn it before you can open yourself up to the fact that you're moving to a new profession. Not too different to funerals. 
We acknowledge the past for what it's done for us and it's brought us to here and we're really grateful, but we need to also move forward here as well. So the first part of it is make a choice. Decide you are in a new profession. Because once you do, you'll go, okay, so I need to think about many more things than I've thought about before. So when it comes to listening as an example of a skill that you already have, but you need to tune it in very differently. You need to consistently think about these three lenses in listening. How well am I listening to myself? How well am I listening to my people? And how well am I listening to the system, the ecosystem and the organisation that all of these things interact with? And it's not enough to say it's my team, it's my department, it's my division, it's my company, because all of that interacts with a market, an economy, an ecosystem, an environment. That third part of listening to systems is one that many leaders aren't even conscious of because they're too busy there. So the first thing I would say is listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. The number one thing that gets in people's way is digital distraction. And they are letting the technology use them. And rather than having a more human response is how do I let the technology become my slave rather than being a slave to the technology? Now, I spent 35 years creating those technologies, marketing those technologies, selling those technologies with a, you know, last role as a marketing director at Microsoft. I understand the psychology between, behind why is a dot on your phone red with a circle and a number on it? Mm-hmm. Why, why is the first thing every app that you download on your phone, it says, is it okay for us to send you notifications? And the default is yes, if you're not choiceful and decide to make the technology your slave rather than you being the slave to the technology. So for many leaders, if they just removed all those distractions, the digital distractions, whether it's the phone, the laptop, the tablet, their their listening will increase dramatically because they're available to listen. Most people aren't great listeners because they don't know the techniques they do they're just distracted Mm -hmm. so when you choose to move into your new profession as a leader make a choice to make the technology your slave not the other way around the second thing is when it comes to listening to your teams be deliberate be choiceful to listen consistently to what people haven't said What they say is very easy. And earlier on, we talked about the 125-900 rule. The first thing people say is usually a symptom of something much deeper, much broader, much more systemic. Practice these three questions. You'll be an amazing leader that listens to what is unsaid. First question, tell me more. The next question, and what else? And Lindsay, you'll notice those questions are less than seven words. The shorter the question, the more transformational it'll be. And the last question, the last last way to listen is the most powerful. So use it skillfully 
Use it wisely, use it carefully. It's a weapon. In the hand, a scalpel in the hands of a surgeon is life-saving and in the hands of a murderer can kill somebody. So be careful how you use this last question. It's the shortest question of all. Here it is. Now, don't worry. Lindsay's recording didn't cut out. It's simply pausing, mm -hmm. allowing their thinking to catch up with their speaking. And it's no coincidence that the word listen and the word silent have exactly the same letters in them. Mm -hmm. So the three phrases are, tell me more and what else? And silence. I would imagine that there's a lot of emotion caught up in this as well. Is often when we listen, we hear something, we can have an emotional reaction. Or even, for instance, with the individual who's now needing to say goodbye to their experthood and that's a weird word to say, their experthood, as they move into their leaderhood, what the heck? Um, there's almost this area of grief of, you know what, you're going to feel these things as you are no longer an expert. And so how can the leader start to sort through the different emotions that come when they're having to say goodbye to who they once were, and now I'm this individual? And, oh, oops, but what my person is saying is triggering me. Oh, golly, now what? So how, how, I don't know if there's a question there, but it sounds like there's so much emotion that is also tied to listening that we really need to start to separate ourselves from the emotions or, or we need to prepare ourselves to listen, I think. Is that often the case? I'm curious, in there is a question. Yeah, you're right. That you're asking me. So, so Lindsay, just ponder this. Mm -hmm. If the question was the subject line of an email, what would the question be that you're asking me? Yeah, for me, it's almost understanding the emotions of listening. So let's just take a quick commercial break and talk about what I did because we're going to come to the emotions of listening. If I tried to answer what you asked me before, I said to you, if this was a subject line in an email, what would that be? Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have provided a useful response for, for you who are listening and to you as well, Lindsay. Now, now that you've gone a little bit, shorter mm -hmm. you've said what's the emotions of listening just talk me through the process of what was happening for you as you beautifully role model role model the 125 900 rule you had 900 words you were trying to get out right could you feel it oh there was a lot of words <laughs> exactly <laughs> and and the reason i wanted to stay in that i sensed from how you were expressing that this is a really core for you and for those listening right now as well Talk me through what was going on for you when I said, 
Lindsay, if it was a subject line in an email, what would it say? My mind went to a leader of mine who did listen to me. And, and ultimately, in her listening, she helped me choose to save my own life. What she shared with me years later was she also went through something, but no one was there to listen for her. And it was partially because she had changed roles, all of these things. And so it, it, it came down to it's the leaders are always listening. Who's listening to the leaders? And how do, how do we support our leaders as they sort through everything mm. in their own role? Yeah. And life, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So would you like to explore who listens to the leader or would you like to explore listening and emotion or both? Who listens to the leader? I think mm. that, that based on where we're at right now in the world, a number of the conversations I have is leaders are overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. They just have a lot of anxiety and emotion about the future. Fair enough. So who's listening to them as the ones who have to steer the ship? Now, again, we're going to take a little commercial break. (laughs) Notice notice you've evolved your question, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So where you're starting and where you've evolved to is different because I've created the space for you to listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. So you've gone from emotion and listening, who listens to the leader? How do we support the leaders so that somebody listens to them? Mm -hmm. So the underlying systemic issue you want to address is not what's the emotion in listening. By the way, uh, um, if you're speaking to a human, there are always emotions present. Mm-hmm. people label emotions as unproductive or productive i i don't think that's a useful way to think about it i would recommend one book that is probably the cutting edge of thinking around listening and emotion that's by professor mark brackett it's called permission to feel yes it's phenomenal And what's even more phenomenal is the mood meter app that Mm -hmm. he's developed. Mm -hmm. And if you do use one app, it's the mood meter app because it helps you to find your humanity and not make you a tech slave. Just a quick explanation. Mood meter will say to you, and it gives you a range of 96 different emotions. So the first thing it's going to do is open up your literacy your emotional fluency because most people when it comes to emotions can talk about sad bad glad and mad you know that most people can label five emotions only if they rhyme though (laughs) well in my case right (laughs) uh but the professor brackett and many other scholars whose foundational work has supported him to get there over a long time they've got 96 that that they've coded and and it says to you where are you right now and then it asks a very powerful next question where would you like to be 
Mm-hmm. And then and then when you say, I'm here, I'd like to be there, and it says to you, what what choice will you make as a result? And and it's got a little little journaling functionality there. So back to that first question, emotions are always present and managers ignore them or label them as unproductive. They are always loud. They are always energetic. They are always crazy. You know, whatever label they come up with, the only label that matters is the person who's speaking and the label they put on it. Everything else is judgment. Everything else is an assumption. And this is why Professor Brackett's work is is so important. Now, back to the question, who listens to the leader? I think there were some implications in your question. Yeah. And the implication is, as an expert who's listening to me, as opposed to as a leader, how do I role model feed forward, which is what I asked and touched on earlier on. This is a very consistent way for people to set up a listening environment. When you're the leader, you're no longer an expert. You no longer have all the answers. You no longer have to be right. You just have to hold that process. So when it in your question is implied, who's listening to the leader's emotions is my suspicion. Is that your question when it comes to who's listening to the leader? Is it who's listening to the leader's emotions or is it just who's listening to leaders? That's a good question. I haven't, I don't know. It, it, it probably is who's listening to the leader's emotions. So notice now we've gone full circle, mm-hmm. but the circle is two circles that are overlapping. And we're talking now about the intersection of these two ideas, listening to emotion. How do we listen to the emotions for leaders? So the, the first person that the leader needs to listen to and have listened to them is them. Mm. So reflective practice is really critical, I would say, for a leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two is set up a group of trusted advisors. Uh, There's a beautiful book called uh, It's Who You Know by Janine Garner. It talks about who are the four people in your network as a leader that you need to have. You need to have a cheerleader. You need to have a butt kicker. You need to have an architect and then finally you need to have a teacher and these four roles that she talks about in her book play distinct ways and roles in having a practice of Mm self-reflection so if as a leader you think this is a solo pursuit you're going to struggle Leadership is a shared experience, especially your professional development. So make sure you've built a group of people who are there, who will support you, who will ask the tough questions, who will also cheer you as you go along. And for for me, um, I have this group of people around me as well. They don't exist inside my organisation. They're outside the organisation that I'm a part of. And, And it's part of my 
practice. I, I have a formal process that I use to have other people to listen to me. Because as you can imagine, I get to listen to some pretty um, amazingly confidential stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you need a way to process that as a leader. So, so number one, set up a group of, of trusted advisors. Number two, um, journal as a leader. Now, that doesn't mean pen and paper. It could be something as simple as keeping a, a file open on your computer. It could be something as simple as keeping a file open on your, um, on your phone, but journal. Uh, that sounds daunting to some people who've never done that. And, and it's a process I was reluctant and resistant to for, for many years. But again, it's another way to help you to listen to yourself and listen to your emotions there as well. And then finally, um, don't take yourself so seriously as a leader. We're all not going to get out of this alive. Um, there's so much more to life than just what we do at work. Mm-hmm. Um, make, make sure you have hobbies that allow you to be reflective. So it could be painting it could be photography it could be hiking it could be running could be swimming any of these kinds of hobbies that allow you to detach yourself from your context and let your mind and your heart connect to what's really going on for you in a physical way Mm -hmm. so those are the three things leaders need to consider when it comes to starting to listen to themselves and more importantly in your question is how to tune in to the emotion. Now, Lindsay, given the time we've got left, where would you like to go? Everywhere. I think... Um, Let's do a little commercial break. What everybody doesn't know is Lindsay prepared really deeply for this with a series of questions, which we haven't even got to the first one of. I know, but you know what? We've gotten so much goodness, and I think... Ultimately, one of the questions that I, there's two more that I have, but one specifically is, so listening villains is the biggest thing. I think it's one of the most fascinating things um, that I personally learned. And what then, what exactly are listening villains? You know, who has them? What can we do to acknowledge them? But why is it important for an organization to understand what villain listening villains are within the team so that we can go from unconscious listeners in a team to conscious listeners in a team. How do we get teams to go from unconscious listeners to conscious listeners together? I'll tell you a little bit of a backstory about the villains. For three years, I was writing about world-class listening on a blog. I was sitting down with Dermot and uh, we, were, we were at a professional development conference where like-minded professionals were getting together and, and sharing their struggles. And I said to Dermot, I have been blogging and emailing and social mediaing on world-class listening for the best part of three years. Nobody's engaging, nobody's commenting, nobody." And he said, your problem is that not everyone can be an Olympic athlete and some people just want to run 5Ks, Oscar. What's the equivalent of running 5Ks? 
for most people when it comes to listening. And that kind of sat with me. And then I read this book by Dan Ge- Gregory and Kieran Flanagan. It was called, it was published in 2014. It was called Scared, Simple and Stupid, The Choices People Make. And in fact, in that book, they predicted uh, nearly 18 months out that Trump would win the election in the United States because too many people don't understand that most people have a negative relationship with what they're trying to improve. They want to be told what's wrong rather than being told how to be better and make it right. How to be better and make it right appeals to a really narrow set of the population, Olympic athletes, people who run marathons, people who climb mountains, people who are very disciplined. But most people, the vast majority of humans, want to be able to assess where they're wrong so they can make it right. And in this was the birth of the listening villains that you mentioned earlier on. So we did a piece of research. We listened to 1,410 people and we said, what frustrates them the most when other people aren't listening to them? And with the help of Heidi Martin and a team of marker researchers and some data scientists, we had four clusters of behaviours that people show up. Now, what was really interesting, uh, just a little commercial break in the research, Lindsay, um, people on average could describe what was wrong with other people's listening with 36% more words than when we ask them the question, what gets in the way of your listening? Mm -hmm. So when we describe ourselves, we struggle to say what's not working, but when we describe it in other people, it's really easy for us to be elegant and eloquent about it. So four villains emerged. Dramatic listeners, they listen to emotions in an unproductive way and they bring it back to their own emotions. Interrupting listeners who value time want to get solutions and outcomes really quickly, but they're like the Jeopardy contestant that presses the buzzer way too early and answers the wrong question because they didn't let the host finish the question. The lost listener are either distracted by digital devices or they're distracted by something going on in their mind. They're drifting away. They struggle to stay in the dialogue because they don't understand their role in it. And then the shrewd listening villain, the expert, the problem-solving machine. Uh, These people value solution and knowledge really highly. And what they're doing rather than listening to you is they're pattern matching, they're problem-solving, and they're anticipating the next three problems as well. And the speakers describe this as, I can see the cogs going on in their mind. They're trying to fix me. So these three, sorry, these four villains of listening, dramatic, interrupting, and shrewd and lost, are it's 
nearly 14,000 people have taken this assessment quiz right now. And we invite people to say, you know, what, what's useful or what gets in your way when it comes to listening as an example. And many, many, many people uh, immediately say they relate really deeply to one of those villains. Now, for me, I'm not a perfect listener either, by the way. I'm just talking about the process of listening. When it comes to my listening, I'm a lost listener at home and I'm a shrewd listener at work. At home, uh, my brother-in-laws debate religion constantly at our kitchen table. And it's the religion of Canon versus Nikon cameras. And it drives me nuts. And they can talk about it forever and ever and ever. And I'm just sitting there going, uh, my camera is my phone. Uh, they're talking about f-stops and ISO with this and post-production that I'm I'm just just, I don't understand my role in that conversation Um, in fact one of my brother-in-laws has got a shirt and on that shirt it says everybody thinks they're a photographer until they switch to manual on their cameras Um, and then at work I'm shrewd you know I consult to people all around the world in large and small corporations, um, profit, non-for-profit organisations. And I am constantly reminded when I go into those discussions that despite all the fancy pants stuff that I talk about and think about and write about, and at the end of the day, most people are just struggling not to be distracted in a conversation. So for the shrewd listener, I can listen magnificently. I can give all the right facial expressions. I can paraphrase extraordinarily well, but in my mind, I'm trying to fix you. So I've been on this quest for 100 million deep listeners in the world, and I always am humbled and reminded to come back to the basics. And I think to your specific question about how do we move a team from knowing to doing to being, it starts with the leader. And so take the listening quiz, listeningquiz.com as a leader, find out what your villain is. You'll get a five-page report. And in that five-page report, you'll get three very specific personalized actions that you can take to be a better listener. Don't try and fix your team. Don't try and teach your team. Role model great listening. They'll start to notice They'll start to role model the kinds of questions, the way you use pause, the way you ask process questions. So, Lindsay, there could be many things people could do as leaders, but the first one is that learn yourself how Mm -hmm. to listen and then that will replicate its way through the teams. Two questions I always get asked when speaking. Uh, I'm a great listener, but my boss is terrible. How do I teach them how to listen? Or a parent who says, my kids don't listen to me. How can I teach them how to listen? In both cases, you are teaching them how to listen by your role modelling. So if you've got a boss who's a terrible listener, you just need to be a better listener yourself and you'll be surprised what you start to hear from your boss. Mm. And if your kids don't listen to you, it's probably because you're not listening to them. And saying, I wish you'd listen to me, 
is not an example <laughs> of listening. That's not the advice to leave with. <laughs> okay. Oh, that is so brilliant. And I know personally taking that uh, listening quiz was so helpful. In a, like, I was not surprised by my villain. But it was so important to be aware of what my villain was so I could start to listen better. And I've had people comment on my own listening over the past few months as well and how it's gone up. What have they noticed? Um, I just ask more questions. And I'm just, I definitely that pause. And I had a colleague comment on it on Thursday is just being able to take that pause. And I've noticed people have opened up and shared stories with me way more than they have. And I've always gotten stories, but really heartfelt like, oh, I'm going to keep that safe. And it's because of that listening quiz, where it's just what to shift slightly. Yeah. So, Oscar, my goodness, thank you for being here. We do have one little question for our listeners today, because we always have this fun little question at the end is in your own mind of possibility and opportunity, what do you believe would happen if businesses realized that they are people too? I think that would ask more questions. Mm-hmm. That would solve bigger challenges. Mm-hmm. And they would move from binary options of it's either A or it's B, it's one or it's two, it's blue or it's red. And they would look at the intersection of all of those ideas, but more importantly, by asking questions, new potential emerges because we start to listen to things we haven't listened before and if we were to listen for more possibilities we would start asking more questions that had this at the center thinking of a child that's born today what would their wish be during our conversation it's the wish for their lifetime So for the next 100 years, if people could think that way, because businesses won't, organisations don't, only people do. Great, great leaders plant trees that they'll never see come into full bloom. I love this story about a cathedral and a church in Canterbury in the United Kingdom 300 years ago they planted oak trees because they knew they would need to have wood to repair the cathedrals and the leaders men and women of that time made a decision to plant the trees while they were building the cathedral so that it always would have the right amount of wood in there and and if we unleash the potential by asking the question someone was born today what would they be asking us to do? We would build organisations with people at the centre because we would think about the future in a much more sustainable way than what we do today. And we'd feed forward. (laughs) You've been listening.
Oscar, thank you. This was truly amazing. I am just in awe of you. And I am so excited. And I can't wait to uh, have the audience partake in your listening quiz and join your journey of creating 100 million deep listeners in this world. It, you've changed my heart, my life, my ears. And, and your husband's and, and my, well, and my husband's. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and beyond that and beyond that, um, from the conversations I've had because of the, uh, introduction I had to you and now we've had our conversation and I hope to have many more and just thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for listening. Well, everyone, thank you so much for being here today as well. And as always, big hugs, big love, and have a most awesome day. A quick exit note for all you wonderful listeners. In my excitement in interviewing Oscar, I had a very human moment and simply forgot to ask him where people can find him. So here's where you can find all the amazing insights from Oscar. To take the listening quiz and discover your own listening villains with tips to improve, visit www.listeningquiz.com. To learn more about Oscar, his book, podcast, and other listening research and programs, visit oscartrimboli.com. I'd also love to learn what your own takeaways from this episode are, along with any insights you have from your own listening quiz. Simply email me at lindsay at And all these links will be in the show notes as well for an easy place to do a quick click. Big hugs and love to you, dear, dear listener. Thank you for listening to this episode of Businesses Are People Too, a podcast podcast. Together, we're bringing the humans back into our businesses. You can find all the show notes and links from this episode at anchor.fm slash businesses are people too. And you can also connect with me, Lindsay, brand and values consultant for leaders who want their teams to thrive with a bit of joy and fun along the way. Simply email Lindsay at therightharl.com or find me online at quirkylindsayharl.com. To never miss an episode of Businesses Are People Too, Simply subscribe on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, if you really enjoyed this episode, you would just make my heart do such a wee giggle if you left a five-star rating. Thank you, dear friend, and we'll connect again soon.